But I say to you who are willing to hear. Okay, everybody willing to hear, I think is what Jesus might be saying. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to someone from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting in the way of children of the Most High God. For God is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Friends, this still is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If we are the body, we're doing lessons on being the body of Christ. So if we are the body, then we are to be children of God. Let us pray. Oh, gracious and all-wise God, holy God, we give you thanks for this day, Lord God. We thank you that we are able, Lord God, and, and are willing to return to this Bethel place so that we might worship you. We thank you, O oh God, for the mind and the willingness to, to join us online as we watch and even on delay. So, oh God, I know that your Holy Ghost can do anything. So I ask that you help us to hear, and even those who will hear it on delay, Lord God, move us all so that we might praise your Son, we might advance your kingdom, and we might give you glory, that we might live this day and every day as your children. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus, and all God's children say amen, amen, and amen. Bishop Will Willimon tells a story about the best prayer he ever heard from a farmer in Georgia. It was early in his ministry, and he had just preached a rather tough sermon on a difficult text. It was the custom in that little church in Georgia for the lay leader to offer a prayer following the sermon. He says the farmer stood up and prayed a simple, clear, and direct prayer. Lord, Today we have heard your word, and we don't like it. And if we are honest, and if we are truly listening, I don't think we really like what Jesus has said to us today. And particularly if you go back earlier and you read those blessings and woes, right? Blessed are you, and woe are you who are rich. It is one thing to tell us to love generally, but to specifically tell us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who mistreat us. Well, that just seems to be too much altogether. To love our enemies in the same gracious manner as God loves us, it just doesn't seem right, and it sure enough doesn't seem natural. 
We would rather hold on to our anger and cultivate our discontent. It is much easier to judge, to demean, to criticize, to condemn, to dismiss those with whom we disagree and find disagreeable rather than to love them. If you want to see the truth of who we are and and how we are and what we have become, just consider the state of our national politics. We live in a country that claims to be Christian, to follow Christ, to lift up the golden rule. We want to post the Ten Commandments all over the place. You know how it goes, that, that golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, treat people as you would want to be treated. Well, apparently in America, you want to be treated um, badly. Sounds simple, that little rule, doesn't it? But it's easier said than done. It is more easily recited than lived. It's more likely to be broken than upheld. You see, that's the problem with rules, right? It's hard to keep them. And besides, who wants to love an enemy? It's as if you want to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, apparently you have missed the definition of an enemy. Not supposed to love them. What sense does that make? Loving your enemy. To do so just seems impractical, foolish, and even might leave you vulnerable, open to counterattack. What comes more natural is to pay you back, to respond in kind, to do to you what you've done to me, and to do it better, amen? To get you before you get me. And sometimes to even pray that you get what you deserve. But if we are the body of Christ, if we are redeemed by his blood, then our identity is not shaped by the conventions or the prevailing culture. Our identity is to be rooted in the fact that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, then we take our cues from God on how to respond to others, whether they are friend or foe. We take our example from Christ, not from the politicians. We take our examples from God, who loves everybody. That's the problem with God. God loves everybody. God's sun shines on the wicked and the righteous. God's rain falls on the just and the unjust. God is not very discriminating. If we are whose we say that we are, if Christ is who we say that he is, that he is the whole truth about God, that Jesus reveals to us who God is and what God wants and how we are to live before God, then God calls us to be his children to live as God has called us to live, then we need to have ears to hear and hearts and minds to obey. If we are whose we say that we are, then, then Christ's coming into the world and into our hearts ought to make a difference in how we live our lives and how we behave toward others. If we say that we are disciples of Jesus Christ and I'm still trying to cuss you out tear you down, I can't get along with you no kind of way. There is a problem. Whose child are you? I remember one time I was, I don't know, my mother, bless her heart, and I was thinking about this this week as I was thinking about this text. 
my mother was, you know, the nails, the red lips. I mean, she was really, you know. And my sister, Cassandra, I tell people my sister was supposed to know her feelings. My sister was, was supposed to be a Delta, okay, because red was my mama's favorite color, okay. And Dee Dee, but, you know, I was a tomboy. I'm a hyperactive attention deficit disorder. My mother would ask me, well, Sheila, what were you thinking? I'm like, I don't know, Mom. The idea just came to my head, and I did it, okay. Oh, jump out the tree, okay. <laughs> Ride your bicycle over this thing and see if you can land it, okay. I'm shooting my, and she would buy me these cute little outfits. She called them play clothes. They looked like the regular clothes I was wearing, but they were real cute. I'd come home, she'd get my little hair done, I'd have all these bows. And, well, Sheila, where's your other bow? I don't know. <laughs> I beat the boys running, Mom, you know? <laughs> that was me. I come home, and one time she looks at me. I am, I'm a poor thing, her baby girl. And she looks at me, who lost child have I found? <laughs> you know, that's, that is how I came home. You know, what has happened to you? Too often, y'all, we live like orphans, as if we don't belong to God. We should be ever mindful that we are recipients of God's amazing and radical grace. God has been merciful to us for while we were yet sinners. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. God has shown us great mercy. God has shown us great compassion. God has shown us great love. And God has given us better than we deserve. We deserve death. God gave us life. We deserve condemnation. God gave us mercy. God has been generous toward us. Even when we are unfaithful, even when we're good for a week and we're sliding all the time, God's faithfulness, God's mercy remains. It doesn't change, even though we do. It is never fickle, even though we are. It is never sometime, even though we can be. One minute may we be faithful, next minute we may. God has been generous toward us. How can we give less to anyone else? Because we don't remain mindful. As children of God, we are called to live counter to the culture. Stop trying to tell people off. Stop trying to get them told. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to get nobody told. Because, see, here it is now. If you want to get other people told, then you want to get told off yourself. We are to break with convention and to live into a new commitment to follow Christ. I have decided to follow Jesus all the way to glory. I have decided to follow Jesus all the way for the rest of my life. We are to live into a new commitment. We are to live into a new commandment. What was that commandment that he gave them in John? That you should have love one toward another. You can't be the church of Jesus Christ and not love each other. Tear each other down, talk about each other, post things on Facebook, can't do it and say that you were children of God. 
We are to live into new behaviors that are rooted in our identity as children of God and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you see people acting all kind of ways, talking about they belong to a church, you say, baby, you need to belong to Christ then. It is a relationship with Jesus that ought to change us. And no, this is not easy. It, I told y'all, it's not, yo, you, to be a good Christian, you need me to get on your nerves. We need each other. It's not easy or natural. It is not innate. Not given our fallen nature. What is natural is to match blow for blow. Amen? Some of us grew up in neighborhoods where you better not come home talking about somebody hit you and you just stood there. You better hit somebody back. Now, I'm just saying, I'm sorry, I grew up on Wheeler Hill and, and Washington Park. And so I'm just telling you, that, that, was, a, that was a culture. Because they'd beat you. Like, what you crying for? And I'll give you something to cry for. Oh, yeah. Blow for blow. I used to play on the softball team in my neighborhood. We call it Washington Park All-Stars, right? And I am out in right field, me and Ava, right? And we're playing because we traveled. There was some, we, the ball went behind me. There was some tall weeds and some other things growing. And I, the ball just got in the way. I was going to get it. Okay, I just want you to know context. So Eva and I were out there. We, and all of a sudden, we can see that there's a fight breaking out down in the infield. We have no idea what went down, but what, hey, blow, they fighting our people, the, great, the basic point is we got to get in the fight. We throw the gloves down and we go in like this. Hey, because in my neighborhood, that's, you better fight. Yeah, that's, I'm telling you what I did. You went in like this. So your right hand, you go in to get the, the you just pick somebody on the other team to hit. Like that, that girl didn't do nothing, but you just fighting her. I don't know. What are we fighting about? Child? I don't know. We match blow for blow, word for word, tit for tat, hurt for hurt. It is not easy to keep the golden rule. No matter how hard we try, we cannot will ourselves there. We cannot work our way up to the standard. We don't have the power. We can't stay consistent. In order to live like this, in order to love like this, requires a radical reorientation of our very selves. A transformation. It's like what Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. It'll kill you and you're going to kill somebody else. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a reason why you come to church. There's a reason why you study the Bible. It's so that your mind can be renewed, transformed. We cannot live God's truth in and of our own selves, out of our own power, out of our own strength, because somebody's going to know exactly how to press your buttons. It requires that we live out of a new power, a power born from above. Isn't that what Jesus told Nicodemus? You must be born again. 
You got you to gotta let the Holy Spirit come into your life. You got to accept Jesus as your Savior. And you got to walk each day in the newness of life. You got to follow Christ. Sometimes you might get pushed down and pushed aside. You got to get back up and get back on the way and following him all the days of your life. And the more you follow, the stronger you get. You're more able to do what God calls you to do. John Wesley called it sanctification. Some of us have stopped at justification. Well, I accepted Jesus in 1979 on a Friday at 4 o'clock. And we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and root out more and more of that sin, helping us to love God and neighbor more and more. If we are the body of Christ, then we are called to live as children of God, as those who have been and are being transformed by God's grace every day in every way, our whole lives long, making us as gracious, making us gracious as God is gracious. Whole life long. Every day. If we are the body of Christ, then we are children of God who live from a kingdom's perspective. Isn't that what we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Then kingdom has to come in here. A kingdom's perspective is, is where love rules, not hate where love rules, not an eye for an eye, where, where kindness and compassion and mercy is shown regardless of and in spite of. That's kingdom. Is that the kingdom where you live? God's goodness and mercy must be internalized. It's got to be like prego. You know, it said it's in there. It's got to be in you and me. In here, in here, not just here. We can't just give lip service to this. I know that in the face of all that is wrong in this world, we may feel like throwing up our hands in despair and saying, I'm only human. I know that living as God invites us to live, which is mercifully and generously beyond expectation and even beyond comprehension, is hard and maybe even seem impossible. But is there anything too hard for God? Our God specializes in the holy impossible. Is there anything too hard for God for the one who raised Jesus from the dead? Is there anything too hard for God, the God who sent the Holy Spirit? Is there anything too hard for God? I'm sure Judy Shepherd, it was hard for Judy Shepherd to forgive those who tortured and left her son in that cold field to die because he was gay. But she forgave him. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Felicia Sanders, one of the mothers of the Emmanuel Nine, to forgive Dylan Roof, as she did. And not only did she forgive him, she blessed him. She prayed for him and said, may the Lord have mercy on your soul.
there's the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. Well, black South Africans heard all the things that was done to them, particularly Eugene de Kock. There's a book that uh, a colleague, a friend that I knew in South Africa wrote that said a human being died, died that night. And he was, um, um, the anti-apartheid people referred to him as prime evil. Since South Africa, when they got their hands on you, you they, um, they didn't just lynch you and they found your body and blah, blah, blah. Uh -uh. Your very existence would be wiped away. There would be no remnant of you. And they called him prime evil. Those people sat and heard all the awful things that was done to them for years. And then they forgave. Held them accountable, yes. But forgave them. No, y'all, that's not natural. You want to get them. It's supernatural. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God in your life. And you need to stay committed. How do we sing? You got to stay on the battlefield. Not the battlefield with other people, but the battlefield against the enemy who's trying to draw us away. Not on the battlefield with your fellow church member, but on the battlefield of the adversary who wants us to live as the world calls us. No, it's not easy, but with God we can do the hard and difficult things. We can do even what the world thinks and says is impossible. We celebrate those who walked across that Pettus Bridge, didn't we? But look what they did. They believed that nothing is too hard for God. The book of discipline that we Methodists that finds our doctrine. It says, the people of God who are the church made visible in the world must convince the world of the reality of the gospel or leave it unconvinced. Either we're going to convince or leave it unconvinced. So how do we convince the world of the reality of the gospel? How do we do that as the church? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We do it by being committed to living as children of God every day. We will do it by our love, our compassion, our seeing and hearing those who are different from us and with whom we disagree, but we don't have to be disagreeable. We don't have to tear them down. We don't have to diminish and demean them. We must be committed to hearing what Jesus says to us today and always as good news. For us and for the world. Amen. Amen.